because sometimes it's not always the bike. It's the size of the heart in the rider. And I got a lot of heart. I may be an old man, but I think I got three times the spunk of some of you young guys out there. Hard work, work. Hard work. That's what they say. Hard work, work. Hard work. I earn my pay. Hard work, work. Hard work. Do it every day. Well, welcome once again to another Work Ethic Podcast, and I'm super excited about today's episode for a couple reasons. One, uh, this is probably the first episode that I've done in person in a while, um, and most of them have been through Zoom calls and things like that lately. Uh, but I am sitting here today with my buddy Disco Mike uh, of Cyclomaniacs. Yo, uh, what do you do? What, I tell you what, man, and I know, I, why don't we do this? Why don't you just introduce yourself to everybody? All right. They call me Disco Mike, or you can call me Mike Disco. Doesn't make a difference. Same thing. I have a crew called Cyclomaniacs. We've been kind of together for like uh, about two and a half years. I'm 54 years old, born in the South Bronx, but I've mostly lived in Tampa. Tampa's pretty much my home. I've done traveling. I've ridden bikes in a couple of other cities like Chicago, Atlanta, Jersey, New York. Um, uh, around town, I've hit areas like Sarasota, Gibsonton, Wesley Chapel, Pebble Creek, Tonona Sassa, Clearwater, St. Pete, Sefner, West Chase, Riverview. I think that pretty much covers it. So I ride pretty much every day, all day. I have uh, six different bikes. Right now I'm riding a Fixie, Origin 8. All black. I found the bike in my apartment complex, non-running, and uh, had parts. Know a little bit about bike mechanic and put it together and got it up and got it running, pretty much. Um, got into cycling. It's kind of funny. My dad got me a 10-speed like at eight years old, and uh, I didn't ride it till I was like 10. And my first ride was to see my dad at his job. So I took like a 12 14 mile trip just to go see my dad at his job hmm. and uh realized that i really like cycling i didn't real get heavy into bicycles and cycling till like uh actually in 2000 when i moved to chicago and i rode my bike in chicago it was a blast hmm. um i'm a bit of a nutcase you could say but in a positive way because when I went to Chicago, I moved there. I was during a blizzard. I moved there in uh, 1995. Got there. It was a blizzard. They were like, don't go outside. And I'm like, I got to ride my bike. First time I ever got to ride in snow in a blizzard. I got lost, actually. Jeez. I was gone for four and a half hours. And uh, somehow I found my way back to the house. They were like, we were out searching for you. We couldn't see you, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're from Florida. I'm like, no, I'm not from Florida, from New York. I, I understand snow, so it's not a problem. And anyway, I'm a resourceful ass person. Excuse language. Mm -hmm. But uh, real resourceful, intelligent. I research and read everything, look into everything, um, because there's always two sides to the coin. And uh, you can't always believe everything everyone tells you. So I just basically break it down to the facts. And that's about it. Uh, as far as cycling goes, I'm in touch with 
lot of bike shops in town, well built, of course. Uh, know a few people in and out the biz. Um, frequently talk here and there with like Lucas Brunel, mm-hmm. uh, DZ Bike Life through Instagram, uh, Fixie Goons. Let's see, Jackson Bradshaw, which by the way is on the, the Cyclomaniac group in nice. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is with uh, Faux Gang. If you ever look at YouTube and look at Fixed Gear Tricks. Uh, let me see. Uh, one time I got a chance to talk to Matt Reyes, a.k.a. Slumworm. Uh, another guy on YouTube, which is Wheel Talk, is uh, Andy Sparks. And a lot of these guys are what influenced me into going from, because when I started, I used to ride beach cruisers. I went from beach cruisers to mountain bikes, mountain bikes to road bikes, and then road bikes to fixed gear. And for me, fixed gear riding is like the ultimate. Um, the difference with me, with me and a lot of other fixed gears, most fixed gears ride stock. And what I mean is they ride 46, 16, 15, or 48. 15, 16, maybe even a 17. I ride uh, two different fixed gears. One is 5313 and the other one is 5315. Yes, my knees are big, but they don't (laughs) hurt. Uh, To tell you the truth, uh, riding 5315 has actually made me an extremely strong rider Uh, to the point where I've raced a few road bikes uh, your weekend riders, you know, they got the $3,000 bikes, blah, 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 the whole fit, the bib, the jersey, the helmet. And I just wear t-shirt shorts and, you know, my vans and whoop them every time. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes it's not always the bike. It's the size of the heart in the rider, you know, and I got a lot of heart. I may be an old man, but I think I got three times the spunk of some of you young guys out there. Yeah, so I was going to say, you said you're 54 years old. Yes, sir. Which, I mean, hopefully we'll get, for some of y'all, catch this dude in videos. Some, but, like, I know a lot of you are going to hear this audio. Uh, but look this brother up online or come meet him if you're here in Tampa. But this dude don't look no 54 years old. <laughs> I was super shocked, man. And I, I know the the bike has a lot to do with that but i'm also some, yes. some really sexy genetics i'm sure as well yes uh so so i wanted to you you said something in all that and i, I love the way you kind of like framed this and kind of shared a, like little vignettes kind of right, things you've right. been involved with but you said so you got a 10 speed at eight years old yeah and your yeah. first ride was to go see your dad at his job Right. So, you know, the theme of this show really, and the title is the work ethic. And I'm really interested in exploring work and relationship with work. And sometimes that's jobs and sometimes that's other things we work at. Right. Right. right work right. on all kinds of things. And that's really what I want to unpack. But since you brought your dad up and being eight years old, let's go ahead and go way back. So what what was your dad's job that you went and visited him at? He worked at a company called Theocam. Theocam Industries, they do uh, chemicals, uh, industrial and home soap, soap products, clean products, uh, other kind of products, floor shine, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have two um, places. They have one here in Tampa. They're right off of uh, 22nd and Sly. They used to be off of Anderson and Hillsboro. I used to live in Claremel City, which is like, between Brandon and Riverview. Mm-hmm. So that's about a, yeah, it's about a good 14 mile so ride. So you grew up around here, like back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So you've yeah. returned. 
right to the to the the best place in the world yeah 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 yeah. that's what's up yeah i've been to all 50 sets because all 50 states excuse me because my dad used to be a truck driver Mm. so what he did was he traveled i got to travel with him i got to see all 50 states i got to go to alaska which most kids don't even get to do i've gotten to see canada because i've been to ontario with him Mm -hmm. and um that's awesome Let's not say all 50 states because we, we haven't ridden to Puerto Rico, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, last guy I have hit and the other 48, 49 states wow. and um, at a young age. So it virtually opened my mind to a lot of things. And a um, little funny story, too. It has to do with uh, cycling. Um my dad, you know, when you're a kid, you buy the little tricycles and cycles, and he bought me, you know, um, the bike that didn't have pedals so you could walk. Yeah, a little balance bike. Right. Yep. No, I didn't want that. Uh-huh. I wanted a bike bike. I'm like, I want to be like the other kids. I don't want to look like a fool. So he got me the bike. He got me the training wheels. Training wheels were only for like a week. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to take them off. So, you know, I kept bending them till the metal broke. Jeez. And I broke him off. He got mad about that. But then he was like, he's riding on two wheels. It only took him a week. And so that kind of sparked my love with bike. My first love actually was when I was a kid was art. If you, I don't know for you young guys, but for the older guys, back in the day, we used to have the TV guide. Yeah. Okay. In the back of the TV guide, remember there used to be a little art contest. If you could draw the pirate or the the parrot or whatever other things they had okay so i drew two things the pirate uh i can't remember the other one i believe it was an animal and then i did my own uh drawing of something that i made up sent it in they sent a guy to the house i was six or seven years old at the time yeah Sent the guy to the house. We want to meet the young man, so on and so forth. So my mom put me in there like, that's him? They're like, yeah. And they're like, he's young. He's Wow, he's got a natural talent. He was born with the talent, blah, blah, blah. We want to send him to school. My dad didn't agree. They were going to pay for me to go through whatever grade I was at at that time, all the way to college, and pay for my art, for my art and my supplies and whatever else I needed. Um, because they were like, it's rare you find a child with that kind of talent. So my dad was like, no, I got upset. Boom, I hopped the bike. I was gone all night. Rode the bike all night. Didn't realize what kind of stamina I had to ride a bike till like years later because getting to the work ethic, I bought my first car, funny, which was a Grand Torino, Starsky and Hutch, wow. uh, with the Strike and the same rims, just not the same color. Had issues with the car, didn't know nothing about the car, broke down, couldn't fix it, da-da-da-da-yada. Da, 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 da. My brother was a mechanic. Long story short, never got the car fixed. I ended up riding a bike to work. Mm. Got another car, Honda Prelude, yada yada, same thing. Doesn't know about cars, just rode it, put gas in it. That was it. Broke down. I blew the block. That was that for that car. So from there, I just stopped buying cars and was riding to get to work as transportation then i was like you know young you friends you go to the club you know there are a few clubs here back in the day and my other love was dancing um since i was from new york the bronx 
where all the hip hop started, yeah. original real hip hop, by the way. Your break dancing started there too, you know, and that was part of me and my family and my friends and so on. So I learned it, came out here, I was dancing in clubs, so on and so forth. And then I started competing against people to dance. But then I couldn't get to the clubs because I lived way in Claremel and most of the clubs were across town. So I would ride my bike to friend's house. Mm. So the necessity for the bike for me got to be as a transportation to get from here and there because I hated to depend on people. And the transit system here was really horrible. Still yeah. is today, to tell I you mean, the truth. Yeah, it's, horrible. Still, it's still a better solution. It's right? a better solution. It is. Um, <clears throat> I've come to a point now in my life where I don't need a car and I don't need the bus. The only time I really take the bus is if I'm stream extremely tired because I do Uber Eats on the bike, by the way. Yep. And uh, if it's raining. Got it, yep. Pretty much it. And sometimes I just dish it out and ride in the rain. <clears throat> so I would bike to work, bike to friend's house, bike here, bike there, bike go to see my mom, da-da-da-da, because it was, it was cost-effective, inefficient, low maintenance. You were getting your exercise, you out in the open, and you wasn't emitting CO2. I just seen a um, documentary about car emissions and the industrial age and what it's doing to our ocean waters. And I'm, I'm horrified because our ocean waters are soaking up all the CO2, which fish like sharks, whales, you know, turtles, things of that nature, um, their body metabolism can adapt to the CO2, but the other type of fish like shellfish and uh sea coral it's affecting hmm. and we can't be without sea coral hmm. if you know anything about the ocean hmm. right okay so now i've come to a point in life where i really want to push bicycles and here's the thing i am an extremely hardcore rider Everyone knows I don't use helmet. That's a controversy, and that's your choice. It's my choice not to wear a helmet, but I am a skilled rider in the streets. I flow in these streets just like a surfer flows the wave. I just ride the wave. I've learned these streets so much at 54 because I've been riding for more than 40 years on these roads in this, in this city. So I know the flow of traffic. I know how people drive, and riding fix just really heightened that for me. So to get around traffic and so on and so forth, don't ride like me, ride like yourself. And um, I don't recommend if you're not into fixed riding, you want to get into it, don't ride major roads, find a parking lot, park, so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a learning curve, that's for sure. Right, right, right. I, I've had my few bumps and curves and, and knockouts and all that, you know, and my battles with 3,000-pound cars too. You know, I've been hit five times. I'm lucky to still be here. And... um Never really been hurt. The one time I did get hurt is when I got my finger cut off in the bike chain. That's a whole nother story. Cut off? Yeah, that one. Oh, you got okay. Yeah, yeah I got. got little, I was little, little less. Little well, less I was. You're not that. supposed to hold a rag while you're turning right, fixed right, gear, right, right. and the rag got caught. Took Ain't my no finger with it, it. Yeah. and the other half of the finger still in the freezer. <laughs> You know what I'm oh, saying? And man. I look at it as a reminder every day. Any, literally, it's still in the freezer? It's literally oh, still in the freezer. Wow. I didn't get rid of it because I look at it every day. And it's a reminder of what can happen 
Murphy's Law, what can and will happen, right? And it's a reminder that it could have been worse. And I thank God every day that it was just a chip. Because I didn't chip. I chipped the bone, but I didn't hit the tip of the bone. So the whole finger didn't come off. I got lucky. Hmm. So the healing process, like the first couple of weeks was rough. I couldn't bend my finger. It was numb. But, you know, I'm like, I got to get back on the bike, whether it works or not. You know, um, so going back to what I was saying, the necessity for the bike, and now I'm I'm pushing the fact to, of bikes and not just bikes. Uh, you don't have to ride fixed. You can ride beach cruisers, e-bikes. Mm-hmm. If you get too tired of pedaling, they have pedal assist bikes, and they also have pedal assist um, accessories that you can attach to whatever bike you have. Yep. You know what I mean? And they're still making uh, beach cruisers in the gas motorcycles. You know, so you have options um because you're coming at this both from the environmental ecological way right individual health right right just kind of the and i mean also just what a what a way to encounter your neighbors in your neighborhood in your streets like i mean it's just such a different experience like the way you experience and see the city when you're it's on the you know it's whether you're walking down the sidewalk or right it's like to be pedestrian is a hmm is a wonderful perspective yeah. on everything. Yeah. yeah, as long as you're not a moving target. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, I went to um, went to Burger King the other day. My old lady was like, hey, they got buy one, get one for a dollar, Whopper, you know, mm-hmm. well, we get one. And I went and got, and I seen the ambulances going by, and I'm like, man, what's going on? They're on, they're on the way towards my house. Guy got hit on a bike. Yeah, and then yeah. today doing Uber on Bush again. Bush is a really bad road. Um, car turned over, completely mm-hmm. turned over. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily the individuals were just kind of scraped up. Nobody died, but I was just headed that way. If I would have been any sooner, I'd have been either in the mix of the accident or close by. Mm-hmm. So through the all, again, I was saved. Now I want to I want to ask you about a handful of things. I want to talk a little bit about Uber Eats, but I want to I want to try to go back again to youth. Like so, you went and visited your dad at work, but then like I wanted to get, I wanted to know like for you personally, what's your earliest memory of work? What? And let me frame it this way: when the word work started to take meaning in your life, you know, like what. What are your earliest memories? Hmm. You want me to be honest? Yeah. I hate working. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's let's talk about that. Um, it's not just working. Um, my family was extremely poor. Okay. You know, yeah. um, we from New York, from the Bronx. We we were from uh, Fordham Road. Fordham Road was at that time in the eighties. We all know how the Bronx was in the eighties. It yep. was like how Detroit is today. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we moved to Florida for an opportunity. I have an older brother and sister. Um, my older brother and sister were getting in trouble. My brother got in a fight with a gang. The gang was out to kill him. They were like, oh, let's move to New York because I don't want the younger one following in the same footsteps, you know, getting in trouble, so on and so forth. So the opportunity was coming out here. Um, my first hands at work was coming from New York, you live in buildings. We have no yards. Right, right, right. Okay. Coming to Florida, 
having a house with a yard. So I had to do yard work. Mm -hmm. And that's where I hated it because my mom would keep me on the weekends all day. You know, all the neighborhood kids were playing and I was always working. Didn't realize what my mother was setting me up for in life. Mm. Because all my parents knew was to work and work hard. Now, my mother's an extremely talented and intelligent woman. Mm -hmm. My grandfather, her father taught her woodworking. My mom can build anything out of wood. Wow. She is a seamstress, so she built her own seamstress table. Now, um, that's awesome. I come from a family of people who have talents. The things that my mom does as a seamstress is amazing. And I'll tell you what, if you ever been to the Gasparilla Parade, my mom is the one who every couple of years goes and fixes the crown for the king and queen. Hmm. And she every year redoes all the flags for that boat. My mom is the one that does it. I've tried to get her out there, you know, get her on, you know, like on the news because that's a great thing what she does. And most people don't, she, she don't want, she don't want nobody to know. Yeah. My mom's an introvert. She's not with all that. You know what I'm saying? But I'm proud to say that. That's awesome. Because yeah, through my mother, I've learned a lot of things. And to be honest with you, it was kind of my mom who taught me how to ride a bike. Yep. Didn't know that later on my uncle Her brother, his name is Johnny, um, used to be an ice skater. He used to have his own motorcycle club, Mm -hmm. right? He was the leader, um, and he rode a unicycle. Really? Right. And she told me when I was four years old, he used to try to teach me how to ride the unicycle. And I couldn't get it because it wasn't my size. And I used to tell him, one day I'm going to get on a unicycle and ride a bike. And then later on, I found out from my mother that my same uncle used to ride and race bikes in the summer in New York. Wow. So she's like, you got a lot of that yeah. from your uncle. That's awesome. You know, she got, I got the dedication and the working hard from my mother. Um, me and my dad didn't have too much of a relationship because he was always gone yeah. trying to provide working. Right, yeah. right. I didn't it's understand common. that as a kid. Yeah. And my dad was the kind of dad that never wanted me to grow up. So when I started to grow up, we kind of had little our bouts, you know, most sure. families have them. But later on in life, I learned to be different towards my father. And before he passed, you know, I had a little relationship with him and stuff like that. You know, got to do what you got to do. So at the beginning of that, I love, I love that you opened up that, that little story by I hate working. So, so unpack that a little bit. Now I know you said, well, I hated it because I'm out in the yard where I'm being working while my friends are out playing. That makes perfect sense. Right. Right. But is it bigger than that? Is it, is like, talk to me about, cause this is important. This is important around like, how do we relate to work? So I hate work. Go on. I hate work. And it's not that I hate working because I'm a hard worker. And once I get into something, I get into it. See that. It's, uh, it just depends what it is. Okay. If I don't like doing something, I'm never going to like it. You know what I mean? Um, at one time I wanted to learn how to make pizzas. I learned how to make pizzas. I learned how to do it fast. I learned how to toss them in the air. I left that to go work in a bakery and learn how to make bread. When I tried to go back to making pizza, I didn't like it doing it no more. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Because my whole attitude and 
the word attitude because I used to be a real jerk off. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Um, my whole attitude changed because of bikes. Yeah. Because I, the more I got into bikes, the more I got into riding, the more I seen, the more I did, the more I seen that I was starting to change. It's mm, interesting. Um, I got to a point where I started to weigh at 300 pounds. Really? Yeah. I'll show you pictures later on. Um, what are you at now? I'm at 161. Yeah, I was going to say, you ain't but half that. Right. Yeah. And people that knew me then and when I worked at, because I used to work at La Saguna making Cuban bread. When I worked there, I was heavy. They see me now. I would be heavy if I worked at La Saguna too, bro. Well, after a while, I worked there for seven years. And after a while, you just don't want to eat the bread no more. I mean, I stopped buying the Cuban sandwiches in the front just because of that. Because rounded all the time. And there you use flour. So you go home with covered sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hated it. Yeah. Plus the flower makes me itch. Um, well, that's they seen that. I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead. They seen the change in me. They seen how much my attitude, how much more. Uh, I'm sort of like in between an introvert and an extrovert. Hmm. Like I like being around a lot of people, but back then I didn't trust nobody, so I didn't let nobody know too much about my personal life. Even to the point where hardly nobody knows my real name. Disco Mike's not my real name. You don't say. Right. But, <laughs> but a lot of people think that that's because they're like, it just seems to fit you because sure. of who you are, your personality, and so on. But you're well, you're well branded. Right. But I've gone by different names, doing different things, so on and so forth. I'm not going to get into that. But um, started seeing the change in me and seeing me lose weight. And one day out of nowhere, even my girlfriend was like, you know, you're skinny as hell. Mm. I'm like, really? I just started noticing that my pants were getting bigger and so on and so forth. And because of that, I was like, I got to ride more. Yeah. Because I just started, one day I just got up on a Sunday and started riding far. Mm. Um, I like distance. I like speed. I'm like an endurance rider. I like to go far. Um, and cycling has taught me... Uh, to have a better attitude, mm. have a better work attitude, work relation, get to work on time, uh, be efficient. Uh, shoot, I don't know. A lot of things. Um, there's a lot of benefits to cycling, and there's a lot of benefits to cycling with transportation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And with helping people, not just doing things, but giving people bikes or helping someone who's in need that uses a bike as transportation. Right. Um, not always anybody can come to the shop, you know, to a bike shop. Uh, a lot of times there's a lot of old men in the neighborhood that rely on going to the corner store or go fishing or, you know, to go pick up cans to make a little money, whatever. Yep. And their bikes break down. They need somebody to come to their house. Mm -hmm. So, I've done my part what I can to go, hey, you need help, give me a call, and they'll call me. And I'll come out. Love it. Um, through cycling, transportation is a way to help people get food that can't normally make it to the grocery store. That's right. You know what I mean? To get drinks. Um, through storms, through hurricanes, uh, whatever natural earth disaster or causes that come 
instead of using vehicles, we can use cargo bikes and a cargo electric bikes mm -hmm. to get materials and water and food to people in need in areas where sometimes you can't even drive cars. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So cyclomaniacs, when they ask what it is, I tell them it's all things bikes because okay. I'm not just in one area of cycling. I'm into racing. I'm into cyclocross. I'm into velodome. Um, let's see, uh, beach cruisers. You have low riders. You have quad cycles. You have track bikes. You have fixed gear. What can I think? Unicycles. Uh, tricycles, uh, what other bikes they got? They got bikes in Europe that, um, they got a, they got a bike. It's called a Velomobiles, actual bicycle. That's a car. It has pedal assist. It has lights. It has ventilation. It can go on any terrain and it has four wheels and, yep. and, and it's a means of transportation Yep. and a means to get to work without using emissions. You know what I'm saying? Without using gas or whatever. You know, it's really interesting. Like, um, you clearly light up as you talk about cycling. And, and actually, it's interesting because, like, no matter what I ask you, you'll tell me about – you'll come back to, like, why we should be on bikes, which is great. Uh, there's a real passion there. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm curious because I watch you, uh, both know, knowing you in person, watching the work you're doing, trying to build up the crew and the reputation and the work of cyclomaniacs and like you are working quite hard at that. Mm -hmm. And I hold that in contrast with, I hate work mm -hmm. and I go, well, that's interesting. And you, you made a good distinction. You said, well, it's not something, you know, when it's not something I'm in love with, it's not something I'm passionate right. about. Right. So I, I'm curious if you could like talk about the work you're doing. Um, and like, because it is, it's like you're putting in major effort. You are spending yourself investing yourself mm -hmm. to build something um and 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 it seems related to something like this fixation this love this passion for cycling that you are a let's say a well-suited evangelist for i always did jobs just to pay bills and that sucks because most I of see. us most of us do that yep just to survive yep. to get by you know what i'm saying and I came to a point in life when, as I was climbing the ladder of cycling and cycling has brought to my attention that I don't want to do that shit no more. I want to do something that I really like that I can put my passion in. I yeah. won't mind working 14, 15 hours a day right. instead of just trying to earn a paycheck. Yep. You know what I mean? And I don't want to just exist no more because going to work, going home, that's just existing. Get your fat butt off the couch. Ride a bike. And if you ain't got a bike, walk. Walk to the neighbor's house. Say hello. Ride a skateboard. Go fly a kite. Get out and do something. All right. Don't just sit at home, man. TV is bruh, unless you just like watching Channel 3 and you like watching educational stuff to feed your mind. And not dumb stuff like The Simpsons or whatever else they got on TV. They got a few good shows, but I have to admit, you know, watching The Mad Singer and eating whatever you eat, it's, it's not living. Yeah. So that's really interesting because you go, yeah. And, and, and this is, this is actually that we work jobs to pay our bills, right? We right. exchange our time and our energy for money. There's no, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some right, of us, right. and some of us got, I mean, when you're struggling, you do what you got to do, right. right? I got to make this right. money. I'll put right. in labor. I don't matter if I hate my job, whatever. But at the same time, 
it even the origin story of this show um, grew out of a bit of a frustration with the way we talk, the way we equate work and jobs, mm-hmm. and the way we will say things like "I hate work," or but what we mean is "I hate my job," or we'll say like you know, and it's somehow these are conflated, and so this is very interesting to me because you're like, I don't, I work jobs to pay bills. We all do that, but then you're like, I don't want to do that. This isn't. I want to do something that is that is what I'm passionate about and what I love. Right. And yet you still have bills. Right. And so you got to figure out a way to pay those. But I can right. tell you invert, you went bills were the priority. You did whatever it took. And then now it's like, no, there's been a shift doing what I'm passionate about and what I love and building this thing is a priority. And I'll do it at a cost to myself where mm-hmm. you're spending yourself, you're spending your That's money, right. but you got to pay some bills. Right. You got to, and so and so then I think that brings us full circle to the so you do Uber Eats. There I think you, you do a couple other things, but Uber Eats is a great you found a way to overlap. I'm gonna I'm gonna you do bike delivery basically mm-hmm. for Uber Eats. So uh you know, I think for those listening, there's probably a lot of folks that maybe aren't even familiar that people were delivering Uber Eats on bicycles. Right. right. So just like tell us about that. I love to. Couldn't wait for that question. Now, my discovery of Uber Eats, and it's a, another funny story with me. Somehow, I always fall upon something that I don't realize that I'm going to need later. Mm-hmm. So, I signed up for Uber Eats almost five years ago. I didn't start doing Uber Eats till the pandemic because I lost my job. What were you doing? Working at the bakery. Oh, I worked right, at, right. I worked mm-hmm. at Segunda, had some issues with the owners there, and I ended up working for another bakery that makes Cuban bread called... Uh, casino bakery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so during the pandemic, I lost my job. I'm like, what am I gonna do for money? You know, I got an old lady that lives with me, and I also got two pets that I gotta take care of. They're like my kids, mm-hmm. you know. And anybody that has pets knows those are your babies. Got to take care of them. Um, I was like, man, I signed up for Uber Eats, man. I got the bag. L- let me give it a shot. You know, not gonna lie, the first couple of weeks was grueling because I really wasn't used to just like riding all day to make money. And mm. um, in the area that I'm at is Temple Terrace, which is a lot of hills and inclines. It is a little more hilly over there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then the Uber Eats in that area is spread out. Yeah. Because I'm at the point now where I cover all the way to Hillsboro or Hillsboro to 301, sometimes to Nona Sassa, Tampa Palm, Suitcase City, USF. Uh, Sulphur Springs, and sometimes I go as far as Del Mabry. Wow! And then if I go South Tampa, I just do the whole South Tampa. Yeah, wherever they, you know, basically what I'm gonna do now is uh, try other parts of the city, different times. Right, right. Now Uber Eats on a bike is extremely popular in the UK. Yeah, and in major cities up north, like Portland, bike your bike cities already. With the bike messengers, California, Portland, um, what's the other bike city besides New York? Well, you got Chicago too. There's Portland, Seattle. Those are your major cities where they're doing, you know, it's average because they already have bike courier, bike messenger. Yeah. But here in Florida, you don't have that. Nowhere in Florida, not in Miami or Orlando, which are really the bigger cities in Tampa. And then you have Gainesville and Tallahassee. None of them have it. I did my research. No one has it here. Hmm. So 
doing Uber Eats on a bicycle is something new to everyone that I come in contact with, not only the merchants, but the customers. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know you could do Uber Eats on a bike. I seen it on the app and I thought you were on a scooter. I had to see it for to believe it. I came out. Man, I got to respect your game, your hustle. Here's 20 bucks. As a matter of fact, two weeks ago, I got a, one of my biggest tips, $48 tip. Because the guy was like, I love your hustle. I can't, you doing it on a bike, brother. Like, how long you ride for? Depends on how much money I need to make that day. And it depends on how much money I want to make that day yeah. and how tired I am. And how much do I want to push myself? I push myself to 10 hours in a day. I've made about 200 and something dollars in a day. Mm. Other times I'll just do seven deliveries, make 20 bucks, go home. You know, if I'm like, ah, you know, um, but I stopped thinking like that. I stopped saying, ah, don't cry. Don't whine that you're tired. Don't whine about nothing. Get your fat ass up and go do Uber mm -hmm. and make that money and make that money. You know what you need. You know how much you need. Uh, I've already got it averaged out. I already know how, what time I can go. And here's the thing. You can do Uber 24 hours. Yeah, you can. And uh, there's a guy in UK on YouTube that did it on a bike for 24 hours and a guy, same guy did it on a bike from six in the morning to like 11 o'clock at night, hmm. you know, see how much money you can really make and how far can you go. Um, now, being that I'm in Temple Terrace, I'm doing Uber Eats. I had a road bike. My road bike was breaking down, yada, yada. I had to end up using the fixed gear, 5315. Now, mind you, I got to ride all day doing inclines, yeah. hills up and down apartments. And then I live on the second floor myself. So for the first two weeks, it was grueling. And you know what? I gripped my teeth and I said, stop crying. Do stop you, crying. Do you wear any kind of, um, you don't have any kind of like tracker, do you? On my phone. Do you keep track of all the rides with Strava? Do you have anything that's keeping your like biometric type stuff? Like, is it, um, the phone gets like step count and rides, right? Right. What um, there? well, I use, uh, Google maps. They have a GPS yeah. that just will automatically track you all the time. Yep. Then you have, um, other ones like relive mm -hmm. Strava. I have relive. I have Strava. And then, um, with Strava, it automatically records your ride and I'm in the app that's called love to ride. Yep. So with the love to ride, I like it because it tells you your heart rate calories and then how many, how much CO2? Well, that, oh yeah. That's yeah. In there as well. And I love that because yeah. that's something that we all, I hope you're listening folks that we all need to know about this CO2 thing that's going on on this planet because it's destroying the planet. It's destroying our plants and it's destroying our animals and it's destroying us because mm -hmm. you breathe in it too. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. What I'm about to tell you, we're all wearing masks. You're already breathing carbon dioxide coming out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Now you breathe in double because it's in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So think if your people are passing out and they're not telling you why they're passing out, that's part of the reason. Mm -hmm. That's part of the reason. So do you, would you say you like, are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying Uber Eats? Yeah. Yeah. You like doing it. I love it. You I love it. You don't hate doing it. No, no. Cause I've, I've become a stronger rider for it. Well, and it's interesting to me too. So, right. So you're getting to ride, you're becoming stronger, healthier. Like, it sounds like that's phenomenal training, just being out there riding that much and right, hustling that right, much. Right. 
you right. look look you look as healthy as could be, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, like I contrast that with jobs, and and I don't know, I could be wrong about this, but I get this impression from you, like and similar to me, like jobs are hard sometimes because of bosses. Yeah. So, um, and and one of the things like I I've always realized like there that you know this is part of kind of an entrepreneurial maybe person like personality tends toward being more entrepreneurial, but a lot of times it is like a certain type of like autonomy, desire for autonomy, which you seem to get with Uber Eats. Like when you're on, you're on, you got to finish this delivery, whatever, but you said yes to it, right? You could have said no to it. Right. And that kind of thing. And and that freedom, it's interesting to me because I think there's a freedom there. And then the bike itself represents freedom in all of these ways. And there's just at some level, like there is this, maintenance of freedom at the heart of what you're setting yeah, up and what yeah, you're trying to do. Yeah, right. Cause that's what it is for me. Um, like I said, in the beginning, I'm up, I'm like a born musician and artist. Mm. That was my first love. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get in the music industry. I knew how to make beats. I used to rap. Like I said, um, whether you believe it or not, African Bada was my boy. He used to come to my house. You know what I'm saying? Literally come to Tampa and knock on my door and come visit me. And we would talk. Um, God bless the dead. My boy just passed. We all know uh, Humpty Hump, Digital Underground, yeah, Greg so Racker. I was friends with Greg Racker, and not only me, a few of us used to hang out together at the Kenny K show at 88.5. Kenny K was also my boy, God bless the dead, who brought hip-hop to Tampa, who brought Public Enemy, who brought uh, Busta Rhymes, Leader of the New School, Queen Latifah, mm. before anybody even knew who they were or even knew about the New York sound. Cause that's a New York sound. Yeah. You know, that was like fresh in 92 and Kenny K busted into, it's a nonprofit radio station, 88.5 busted in there and wanted to create a hip hop show. And he made it, he made that nonprofit radio station big. You know what I mean? Like every Saturday he had a guest celebrity there. He's had rock Kim and Eric B he's had master P he's had, uh, trying to think tribe called quest you know what i'm saying Jeez. he knew these people yeah and also he was in digital underground he just chose to stay because he had the responsibility of the radio show so greg rack and them went to cali you know what i'm saying like i said god bless the dead that's another partner of mine that i know people that i know in the industry um i'm a very people person and what uber eats has done is given me a chance to talk to people not only talk to people, but like spread a message. Mm. I don't preach. Uh, most of us don't have time to listen and most of us don't want to listen to people that preach. So I pass the message in other ways through acts, through experience, through connection, yep. through helping. You know, I never, you know, I never, hey, do you go to church? Do you pray? Do you, I don't do that. We all have our ways of having our relationship, because I'm not going to say it's worship. I'm going to say relationship with the all. Mm. You can call him God. They can call him Allah. They can call him Jehovah. I call him the all. And the reason why I call him the all is that you can't take away from it and you can't add to it. The all means everything because he is in everything and everywhere. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So the all. So it's not that much different from what I say. But now the only thing I do tell people is like, have a blessed day, peace and blessings. Or when it's needed, I tell them, mine the mind for the jewels of the soul. Mine 
the mind. mind right for the jewels of the soul right because you have everything already why are you out there looking all you have to do is turn into yourself it's all there dig deep inside yeah. sometimes you can answer your own questions that's right you know what i mean that's right. and so another thing about cycling is it can develop your mind you are out there you're riding I mean, I know a lot of people like to ride. I like to ride with music, but there are times when like perfect time is like Sunday morning in Tampa, 5, 6 a.m. There is no traffic. Yep. You know what I mean? Leave the headphones at home. Don't bring anything. Don't bring a pack. Just ride and go into your mind. Yeah. And as you pedal your thoughts, you know what I mean? My thoughts have become a lot clearer um, I've become more direct on what I want to do. And I know really what I want to do in life. Cause in the beginning of my life, I was, well, a lot of it was finding myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. A lot of it was finding myself, but I always knew one thing. I always had a bike. Yeah. Always had a bike. Now my passion with bikes is like anybody's passion, like surfing, sure. motor cars, drawing. I mean, whatever, as long as it's positive. Um, I guess you could say with me, it's because, again, when I say cyclomaniacs and I say all thing bikes, I really mean all thing bikes. I don't just cover one style of bike. I don't research one style of bike. I research everything in the industry to the point where I'll say about a couple of months back led me to an individual and they call Sheldon Brown. Sheldon Brown is the man, is the, I call myself the bike guru because I now I know about bikes, all kinds of spikes and all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to mechanics, frame building, heat tempering, Sheldon Brown is the man. The guru. The, the guru when yeah, it comes yeah, yeah. to that. So when I, like anybody else, I researched who he was, and then I found a PDF file on his books, and I downloaded it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I read them. And that's how I got to learn about mechanics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just that, but going to different shops. Um, It all started with another good friend of mine, God bless the dead, Joe Haskins. Yeah. Joe Haskins kind of one that kind of got me started, paved the way with racing, speed bikes, because he would set up my bikes for me. Joe Haskins was a true passionate man, mm -hmm. probably other than me, about bikes. Um, I've seen him give away bikes. He's given me parts. Yep. He gave me a t-shirt. Yep. You know, I still maybe a t-shirt to nobody is nothing else, but to me, I cherish it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because somebody gave me something and it cost them money to make it, you know, and it's for them to make it money. And then they thought enough of me just to give it to me for free. Mm -hmm. So I value things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he kind of got me started on my passion and then I started going to other bike shops as you know yep. and read diff meeting different people and then the other individual was Leo Rogers yep. um, I met Leo I actually met Kevin first because okay. of a friend of mine named Mike Neely Mike Neely used to be back in the day uh, supposed to be some big time BMX guy Cause when I would ride with him, all the BMX kids were like, "Oh, you know Mike Neely," and I'm like, "I never, I don't dig in people's past. I mean, your relationship is relationship with me. Whatever you tell me about yourself, that's it. 
I don't dig and I don't go looking and nothing like that. So from him, I got to meet Kevin. From Kevin, I got to meet Leo. Leo, I seen riding one night because I used to ride at night and he used to do the Tuesday ride, night um, rides for City Bike. Yep. I was on my way to work and he's like, where you going? I said, I'm on my way to work. He's like, I'm going that way. I'll ride with you. What killed me was, is I was like, this guy mofo is beating me with one leg, man. And I got two. Right. I, I, I can't even breathe to keep up with him. I was like, hell no. I can't let this guy do this to me. He's a beast. He's a beast. Which means I wanted to be that same beast. I couldn't allow you to do that. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yep. So I started picking it up. He started seeing how I was setting up my bikes for speed. He was like, I want to see it. Come out on Wednesday night. The wolf pack. The wolf pack. Da-da-da-da-da. So Leo has gone on to California to do his thing and his yeah. career in cycling. You know what I'm saying? As he left, I started to realize things about Leo and see what he was doing. And what really inspired and motivated me to really go deep in the bikes was the Leo Rogers Foundation. Mm. You know what I mean? Not only that, was another individual who I seen helping the homeless with their bikes and ended up getting well-built bikes. You. Oh, yeah. Because I used to go to Florida Avenue when you had the spot there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And I wanted to be a bike mechanic, but somebody that was working with you was like, nah, we don't want no more bike mechanics. I never got a chance to talk to you directly. Well, I had, interesting. So, okay, two things real quick. So just for those listening, uh, he mentioned Leo Rogers, who we I just had on the show. So episode 49, if you want to go back, it's just a couple episodes back, if you want to go check that out. Um, Leo's incredible and, and you really want to listen to that story. Uh, and, and the word that really stands out in my mind about him is tenacity. Um, you know, and, uh, and so that's worth checking out, but, um, back to the Florida Avenue. So he's referring to, we had a daytime drop-in center for the homeless that was on Florida and Florida, here in Tampa. This was at Tampa Heights, a neighborhood we ended up getting run out of as it gentrified. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a place for the homeless. Like, you know, we had, our work has really been centered around work with the homeless and the, that drop-in center was, you know, we knew we couldn't get everyone a house, but we could make a place where people could come make themselves at home on a regular basis. And relationship was at the heart of everything we were doing. So we would do a lot of things there that met needs in the community. So people need food. So we had a little free market grocery store. People could come in and get groceries. People need showers. We built out a little shower. Come, people come take a hot shower. People didn't have work. We didn't have jobs, but they didn't have food either. And so we said, well, well, let's work together and grow food. So we started a bunch of community gardens outside. We were raising some chickens and raising some tilapia and doing all these different projects. And then there was a volunteer who rode bicycles, uh, who I saw helping some people fix some bikes here and there and was like, yo, what could you imagine if we had a place, this, that, and the other about like where people could come work on bikes. This was Jessica Brenner. Jessica ends up getting some bikes donated from God's Pedal Power, um, who was a, a ministry, this old couple that had been giving bikes away for like 18 years right. here in Tampa. Right. And he's like, uh, Mike was like, hey, we got so many bikes. We can drop off all, like 25 broken bikes later today. So we got a shipping container. We put those bikes in them and named it the Recycle Bin. And then a couple couple days a week, uh, opened that up and um, – let people go out and kind of build a bike. Now, back to what you're saying, because I'm surprised to hear that, but I also don't know who or how you would have talked to anyone. But however, had you talked to me, 
yeah. I would have said, I don't have, I don't have, I don't know anything. Cause right, that right. legitimately, I was like looking at the big picture of all these things right, and I'm like, right. I don't know. Y'all run the bike thing. Y'all are in the garden thing. And I would touch, I touched a little bit of everything, right? Right. But the bikes I touched the least actually. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we were losing the daytime drop-in center because we were getting run out of the neighborhood. Right. I mean, it was terrible law enforcement, code yeah, enforcement, yeah, they were I leaning remember. on our landlord. We're getting run off. And, um, and I mean, it was weird to hear, like, we didn't want bite mechanic because, like, we desperately needed them. But what I think was happening is the model at that time was, like, build your own. And so yeah. everybody that tried to run it or operate it was just – it was just a mosh pit. They were just overwhelmed, and it was unmanageable. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and luckily, Jessica's just like a little Mother Teresa could just exist – in the chaos, but, but it was a heavy load to carry Yeah, and, yeah. and everybody out there didn't know what they were doing. Really? Um, right, Richard, right. I don't know if you remember Richard, the big gray beard. Yeah, yeah. Richard was on the streets, but he worked with God's pedal power and he was the one that taught us all how to work on bikes. bikes He's like, here, right. I'll show you. Come right. here. This is what this wrench does This is what, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, uh, we were doing that, but anyway, just kind of like those listening that don't know our story to kind of frame where right, you're meeting right. up with us at. Right. Um, but was in that place as well. Um, right. yeah. So, then so you come there. All right. I went there a couple of times. I couldn't get in touch with nobody. And then I heard about them trying to push you out. The next thing I know, well, Bill's bike was born. Yeah. That's, that's when, so that, thank you. That's when I started paying attention to the bikes a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. We're getting run out of the neighborhood. I already had this conviction that like, cause I got all these guys that live on the streets and gals that live on the streets that are like busting their ass around this place, but no, but not for money, just for mission, for participation, for I'm part of something bigger than myself. Right, it was absolutely right. beautiful. Right. But what wasn't beautiful and what kept me up at night was like, yeah, that's awesome. But they still sleep outside at night. Mm-hmm. Like you got to find resources. I'm like, I'm never going to raise enough money to pay everybody for this. It's impossible. Right. So the first thing we did, I was like, okay, I grabbed a couple people we had around. We started a little lawn business. Let's just see if we can do some services, make a little bit of money, right? So we ran a lawn business for a little while, but I started thinking about social enterprise. Can I build businesses that make money, that create opportunities for people that we're working with mm-hmm. or meet a need? So like transport, like we don't hire a bunch of people at the bike shop, right. but we are meeting this direct need of access, ownership of a means of access and transportation, mm-hmm. all the things that you were addressing. Because in my mind, poverty is about a lack of freedom. Like how you were like, Oh, well, I have a job that gives me freedom. Bike gives me freedom. I'm like, freedom is the opposite of poverty. Like as that stripped from you, that's the experience of poverty when you experience not being free. And so that, and so then I was like, man, bikes are like a, a direct answer to that's a type right. of that's lack right. of freedom in Tampa. That's right. And so, so, and then I was like, oh, you know what? I think we could probably sell some of these. So I went out and was like, and I, I knew nothing. I literally uh, started visiting another nonprofit bike shop. I drove to Birmingham, Alabama on the weekends, mm-hmm. go up there, mm-hmm. talk to this brother that had a shop. And I was like, okay. He's like, all right, these are the names you're going to look for on the sides of the bikes. Go back. See, is there any treks in there? You got any Cannondales in there? Pull those out. Right. Get someone who really knows what they're doing to refurbish them and then sell them. And mm-hmm. so we started doing that. And then ultimately we, we, so Chris, who you now know is like the head technician at the shop mm-hmm. who runs the service department. I mean, he was working at an auto parts store at the time mm. and he was a volunteer running weekends in the, in the drop-in center, just like wow. getting showers, this, that, and the other. He's just involved in the community, but he has, he's interested in technical stuff. Yeah. 
And so we're like, Hey, and he's in like, all right, let's build the bike shop. And, I'm like, and then eventually he's like, you know, I think I could, I'm interested in the mechanics. And we're like, all right, we're going to send you to school then. We sent him away to kind of get his, get certified as a technician. ABI. Is and man, he's team. getting, UBI. UBI. Yeah, UBI's. he's getting better every day, every day. I mean, he's just incredible. Man. Right, he's right. So, he's, and what's great is like, it was a real good vocational fit watching him come alive as we did this. It was almost incidental. All of this was just like trying to take steps forward. But anyway, yeah, so we, so that's when my attention turned to the bikes because I go, well, we're getting run out of the neighborhood. And when I did, I did basically what's called an 80-20 analysis of all of our work. Um, you may or may not have heard of this, but the, the basic principle is, and you could probably do this in your own life, mm-hmm. it's like 20% of the things you do are giving you 80% of the results. 20% of the people you spend your time with give you 80% of your social fulfillment. 20% of the right. work you do gets 80% right. of the right. results, right? And so you want to go, well, what is that? Because if I could figure out what that is, maybe I could put more of my time into the thing that's getting me the results. Mm-hmm. So I start looking at all of our work, and I love the things we do. I'm like, we get food to the hungry, and I love that, and the showers, and I love that. But as I surveyed the thing, I was like, you know, incidentally, I, this wasn't like by design, but like all the reasons you were saying earlier, I was like, man, these bikes – like when I look, like the people that are riding the bikes get f- noticeably physically better off, noticeably mentally better off. They get to resources around the city and opportunities around the city that others are not getting, and it's a game changer. They're 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 free in a way that nobody is. They have access and they meet many of their own more their their own more concrete needs. They need food, they go ride and get some food. They right. need clothes, they ride right. to the place they can get some clothes. And I just, and I, I was watching all this. And then on top of that, I could probably sell some of these mm-hmm. to sustain the thing. And that's where my mind was really around social enterprise. So that was like a big pivot for us. But when I looked at all we did, I was like, you know, I think the 20%, a big chunk of the 20% is these bikes. And I think there's a real, and that's why we started visiting a nonprofit right, bike shop right, saying, can you right. tell us how to set it up? Right. And so then we launched well bikes. Yep. And so you're right. So then we, then we. What's funny is, and just that, that guy from God's pedal power, Mike. So he's an older dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was out there one day and he's like, the, so the well is the name of our nonprofit. He's like, Oh, the well is uh, building bikes. So they're built by the well. So they're uh well built. Get it. <laughs> and like, you know, n- nudge you with his elbow. Yeah. And it was like the corniest dad joke. Like y'all should call yourself well-built bikes. And but I was it, like, no, we're not going to call ourselves. Yeah, but it stuck. But then someone else said it, and then someone else said it, and then eventually you're like, you know what? Embrace it. Let's roll with it because we're not going to be the recycle bin, you know. And uh, and and so let's let's roll. And it man, it's and so emerges well built bikes. And so we're out there at University Mall, just at our fourth year now. Um, But yeah, man, that was that was an that was an incredible journey for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But really was like for me. Like, and, and I love this, like, cause I got introduced to your world, frankly, um, in terms of being people that are in love with and passionate about cycling. For me, I enjoy cycling. Right. I am enjoying right. it more every day. Right. But I, my deep passion is these folks is the community building. Right. And then I looked around and just said, well, it's the right tool. And then, then I, then I'm like, well, any tool that helps me accomplish my goals is a meaningful tool, is a rich tool. And then the more I do it, the more I go, man, this is healthy mentally, spiritually, physically, communally, 
like it, you know, potentially economically and now to go, Oh, and environmentally and everything that we care about, it aligns with in those values. That's why I call it the benefits of cycling. Mm. There's really no cons unless you're trying to go up against a 3000 pound car. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Um, and other than falling off and scraping yourself, there really are no, no cons. Everything is pro pro cycling, pro benefits. Um, Mental, physical, even spiritual. Yeah. Because some people find themselves spiritually riding a bike. You know what I mean? Um, transportation, low emissions, um, able to help people, which came to me. Why I'm so passionate? Because there's so much you can do with bikes. Yeah. Really, a lot. I mean... If it wasn't for the guy that invented the car, we'd all be riding bikes still. And here's the thing, before you say yeah, something. Yeah, 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 Most people don't know, and I'm going to tell you, the car was invented because of the bicycle and the fixed gear drivetrain. Hmm. And your airplanes of today, which were built by the Wright brothers, the Wright brothers used bicycle parts to stabilize the wings so they could fly. Yeah. So um, the bike has played an important part in history twice. Well, the bike has played an important part in history in many, many ways. Many ways. You can actually, you in there, I, I, I don't, I won't be able to reference this or rattle this off, but if you, you can just maybe Google like the radical history of bicycles, but like the use of bicycles in community development, yeah. in protest, in, pro in right. service of the poor, in, in there's so many ways in which bikes played such critical roles throughout history. Um, and, and actually, you then you go, yeah, cars took over. And the way our cities are designed, the way Tampa is designed, is designed for driving completely, right, right. like big parking lots right, and lanes right. everywhere, whatever, and we're super spread out, which is why it's a really hard place to get around if you don't have transportation. Yeah, but yeah. I'm super, super, super encouraged about some of the things that I'm seeing. I mean, we got a long way to go here, right? But you're starting to see more bike lanes. You're starting to hear about it more. You're starting to hear like walk walkable, bikeable, urban core is like language now. You know, right now, right. now I'm not crazy about urban core in general because I what I hear is you know there used to be a thing called the inner city, mm -hmm. and that's a his that's a his, that that doesn't exist anymore, right? Because the inner cities are now the urban core, uh, which generally just means they changed demographics completely and yeah. the poor people got ran off yeah. and what, and yeah. the well had to move along. Yeah. But now they're putting in bike lanes <laughs> right, right. and it is, I'm see there was seeing, and I do believe we're going to move. Like you go, you look at places like Europe and places where there's like bike parking garages and things. And it's like, this is gonna be, uh, now, now, here's what, I, okay, there's two things I see coming. I think bikes are going to do that, but I also think a, vehicles going electric and autonomous is, that's happening. Yeah. I, I would actually yeah. say, I, I believe, I really believe this. Uh, let, let's just make a prediction. Uh, I think that it went, because that's where those are not far off, right? The trucks will drive themselves, the cars will drive themselves, it'll well, be whatever. We, you already know we have a um, small um, car-like Autonomous car downtown, taking yeah. people around downtown. That's right. That's right. And then Thursday, USF just got their first autonomous bus. Oh, they started it. Yeah. So they've been working on that for a long time. Right. I didn't know they got it out there. But yeah, yeah the the I forget what they were calling it, but they they um 
Okay, so but what I was gonna say is because that's happening and those are those are gonna I mean they're already damn near better than us, but they're gonna be way better than us in terms mm-hmm. of just and then they're networkable. So what what I see coming is um I believe it will be illegal for you or a human being to drive on the roads because it'll these are all going to be autonomous. Right. And so you won't be able to just go get your old cat if you want to drive your old Cadillac you're going to take it to some course or some place for humans yeah. to drive because yeah. you are not going to, you can't fit into what's going to be coming with these networked vehicles. Okay. What's interesting to me is go, those are two trajectories that I think are inevitable. More of us will be on bikes and we won't be driving actually. Right. But we will be moving around in autos, some automobile, some, yeah. you know, yeah. autonomous automobile. Right. Right. What's, and I'd love to hear what you think about this. This is just like nice, future forecast anticipation stuff is I think, well, how do you ride a bike? How does a bike exist in the world of autonomous vehicles? And how do those, how are those interacting? And do you, do you, do you just see any benefits or problems or yeah. like, what do you think about that? Um, most people are going to split two ways. You're either going to be down with the autonomous cars because you don't like to ride or don't like to exercise and just plain lazy. And then you're going to have the other people that are going to be like, I'd rather choose to ride my bike because again, the bike gives you freedom. The autonomous cars won't. Well, okay. Fair enough. But I'll just take me for example, very pragmatic and practical. And then I just go, yeah, I'd love to ride my bike and I'll probably have a bike way more often. Uh, and then, but then at the same time I go, yeah, but sometimes you got to get to the meeting quick or it's raining or I can't show up sweaty, this, that, and the other. Right. So maybe I'm into both. Maybe it's not this or that, but what I'm wondering is when I ride my bike in a world that there's no one behind the wheel in these vehicles. Hmm. Um, now I like to imagine that you'll be like, I like to imagine you could just walk out in the middle of the interstate and it'd be fine. Because they just register you and they all communicate through network. And it right. just like right. you could literally just walk out in the middle of the road. You'd be fine because they just adapt like going down a stream or whatever. Well, Who we knows, go, right? It's possible. But then again, we got Murphy's Law still. Okay. okay. So don't yeah. ever forget so that. have a finger in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. So, um, yeah. Here's my taken thing on technology. If it's helping us, mm. yeah. But if it's going to hinder us, no. And it's the autonomous cars is going to hinder a lot of us from not doing anything. Because out of all countries, what I've noticed, a lot of Americans are lazy. Mm-hmm. Lazy. Lazy. And we're some of the most obese people on this planet. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that, but it's true. And I'm saying it because I used to be one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, as far as my diet, as far as I eat everything. You can. And I mean, I eat everything because even though I'm 54, I've always been high strung and I've always been high energy. So when I lost the weight and the bike has made me triple times that. Like literally, I only sleep three, four hours a night. And I'm not going to lie to you when I'm sleeping. Sometimes I'm dreaming about bicycles. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't (laughs) imagine. Um, Let let me ask you a couple questions that I want to make sure we get in um, before we do run out of time. So one is something I try to ask everybody that I talk to. um, And 
you know, just put it out there. So what, how would you define success? Success? Hmm. Success for me is not so much money. Okay. Uh, success for me is more about your mark in life and what have you accomplished to move people? Mm. What have you done in life to move? Maybe not even the whole crowd, just one person in your life. And I didn't realize that again. I got, I got a lot of stories cause I know a lot of people and I've, I've made a lot of connections in life. Another individual who made it, he's got a contract. I don't know who he signed with. It's actually two of them. One of them is called self-titled. He signed with Def Jam. The other guy's called Dutch Massive. They are both from Tampa. They're both rap artists. I met Dutch Massive. Uh, what year was that? 1995 before I moved to Chicago. He was 15 years old then. He was young. He's like, oh, I heard of you through my other street name. I know you. Da 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 da. You hang with so and so so so. I'm coming out with an album. It's called Junk Planet 2000. I was like, word. All right, talked to the kid, yada, yada, went to his house, heard his lyrics. I was like, hey, he's pretty good. His whole thing, though, was the concept he had for the album was nothing like I ever heard or seen in hip hop. Mm. Mind you, he's, he's a young kid. He's not into the gangster. He's not into the guns. He's more into that creativity style hip hop, like Far Side, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Or like MF Doom or like Most Def. Mm -hmm. Um. Started meeting some, he started talking to a cat named Apathy. It's another famous artist. Uh, I was working in Ebor at the time. No, that was after I came back. Um, talking, yada, yada. He was like, yo, you want to be on one of our songs? I was like, yeah, okay, no. And I dropped a little lyric, no, no big deal. Never thought anything of it. The kid is a star to this day. I found him on Instagram. I talked to him and um, I was like, yo, you remember me? You were 15. I can't remember how old I was, but I'm 54 now. Uh, and I gave him the real name. I said, we used to be neighbors in the apartment complex. You used to come talk to me about Jump Planet 2000. He texts me back. He texts me back with the first two lyrics that I put on the song. And I was like, yeah, he remembers me. And then he told me, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I'm like, how do? what does that got to do with me? He's like, because you kept telling me to push. Mm. Kept telling me to live your dream. Mm. Live that life. Live that dream. And I'm living it. Right now, he's in California. He knows he's in contact with just about every major rapper that's out there. You know what I mean? He's got albums. He's like almost 30 years old. So not just him, but a lot of people in my life that somehow I've influenced in a way to go or get to be where they're at. So this is, this is interesting. Um, did, when you said that you, you kept telling me to push, um, what it reminded me of was when you were talking about riding and you were just going, I'm in to going far distance, speed, endurance. There was something about that, like that sentence that stood out. I just jotted a note down that, like, wonder, like, is that something to circle back to? But like, you kept telling me to push, and I'm just curious, like, muse on that a little bit. Like, you're telling someone to push. Is that a common thing you're saying? And how and does that relate to? I like to go far. 
is there something about endurance that is that transcends just cycling that it, is some kind of a principle for you i'll put it like this um when i was younger i was afraid of a lot of things mm. you know like i said my parents all they taught me was um how to work my mom seen that i got older seen some things in me she worked with me a little bit but she's always busy T to this day my mom she still works 14 hours a day and she's almost 90 years old. Whoa. Still works full time. She does it out of her house. Seems she, still doing that. Right. But she's still working. And wow. that's something that I, on here. man, <laughs> first she's a woman and then she's almost 90 years old. And to push the way that she pushes and mind you, my mother's now starting to have physical problems. She's been falling a lot. She walks with a cane now because she hurt herself, still gets up at five in the morning and still works. Mm still works, still pushes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's at a point in her life, that's all she knows. She ain't going to stop now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She's told me a couple of times she would like to just sit back and enjoy the last of her days. You know what I'm saying? Which is telling me that she's starting to get tired. Yeah. But sure. to be almost 90 and getting tired now? Yeah. That is drive from I don't know where. Serious endurance, yeah. And by her being my mother... I have that same drive in me because she instilled it in me. So I started learning how to have drive, mm. starting to learn how to just, just be, how can I say, I just don't want to be an ordinary human. I want to be extraordinary. Mm. That's very well put. Yeah. When we're not all perfect, but we can all strive for perfection mm -hmm. every day. Well, in fact, so this is interesting. I, this has stuck with me forever. So Viktor Frankl was a, um, mm. do you know that name? So he yes, wrote, absolutely. he wrote a book called man's search for meaning. He was like a, I don't know the right word. To, I'm looking for his book. He, I'm not, uh, like a psychoanalyst, mm -hmm. um, and kind of an existentialist psychology. He's actually a founder of a school of thought in psychology called logotherapy, which logo like So like, you know, the word made flesh logo mm. in Greek log logos is like the meaning, the point, the purpose, the, the logos, right? right it's where we right. get logo from. Right. Right. So, so the, so logotherapy is the therapy of meaning. So another book, he, so man search for meaning, right. And the deepest hunger of man is meaning, mm. um, which is tied to responsibility and tied to like ownership of, so, and he, and he has a very existentialist. So I love this dude, but uh, I, if you go on YouTube and look him up, you can find these clips of the guy and there's okay. this one lecture he's giving. And I want to say he called it crabbing, although I could be wrong about that, but he was talking about flying a plane. He's like, you know, I don't fly planes, but I talked to a pilot one time and he's like, so if you want to go, so picture like a triangle, um, some, I know people can't see my hands or like listening. So picture two points mm -hmm. and then the point on the right go up right. from it. And so you have a triangle in that way, right? So right. I don't, is that isosceles? I don't know what yeah, kind of triangle, triangle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what correct. kind of triangle that is. So uh, picture like a yeah, right angle triangle. And, um, and so he said, well, if you want to go from the first point to the second point before we made the triangle out of it, you need to aim at the top of the triangle when you're flying. 
He's like, because of the atmosphere and the rotation of the earth, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't aim it where you want to go. You have to aim it higher. higher. Yeah. And he's like, because if you aim where you want to go, you're going to end up down here. <laughs> and, and when, mm. and when you just said like, we, we can't be perfect, but we can aim at perfection. Right. I go, That's what he's talking about. It's right. like, yeah, you have to aim. You have to go be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Cause then you might be okay. You might be decent mm -hmm. if you try to be perfect, right? Right. Um, and and yeah, I just think that's such a such a great point. Um, such a good point, man. Right. I'm curious for you about the endurance drive piece that um, whether it is in a pursuit of perfection or a long ass ride, like where you're where you're. Talk to me about those times in life. Maybe there's experiences, seasons where you're down. Yeah. Where you're, yeah. Or your or rides where you're like, I'm not gonna make it. I can't get where I'm trying right, to go. Right. You know that headspace. Right, right. Right. So talk to me about the process of that because it seems like um that's tied to this endurance piece. It, it is uh, a lot of it. A lot of my change, like I said, came through cycling, but it also came through a lot of experience, um, reading, researching, all kind of stuff, going to different. I've been through so many different religions. It ain't even funny. Muslim, bad, uh, what is it? Baptismal, Jehovah Witness, Catholic, Protestant, been through all of them. And um, I don't want to fight about or argue or whatever mm -hmm. about doctrine because a lot of major wars and a lot of people have died because of arguments with doctrine. Isn't that, by the way, it's horrific yes. and horrible? Yeah. But it's comedically ironic. Yeah. Right? Like, right. The God of love and and like just in any one of those religions, take any of the cardinal virtues and then go, we're gonna go to war about that. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely it, insane. It, and yet you're right. You're but people don't like to be challenged in the in the it actually, by the way, I will say I think it makes sense because if if the thing that keeps you like we cling to these truths is what makes sense of our world. And if you pull that life raft away from me, it's like I'm going to die. Right. And so we feel right. like threatened at the deepest part of ourselves. But it is absolute insanity behavior. It, it is. It yeah. Is. But but it's a great point. Let's not get into arguing about that. Right. Right. Yeah. right. I'm not going to get into religion or arguing. What I do is I look at the individual. How, how You could be Catholic. You could be Protestant. But if you are walking that right path, that real Jesus path, and that not that fake Jesus path, mm. for those of you who know and don't know, all right? <laughs> if you really walk in that path, it shows. Yeah. Your, your light will shine bright. You know what I mean? I'm accessible to those people. Yeah. I'm yeah. drawn to those kind of people. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They're not preaching. They're not. They're just showing you in a different manner by right. doing, not saying. You got a whole lot of evangelists on tv saying a whole lot but when do you ever see them out here doing something for the little people yep. never yeah never that's never right. you know what i'm saying and i'm not rich i'm not the greatest but i'm rich with character i'm rich with knowledge i'm rich with all kind of things that i can use to help mm -hmm. other individuals i mean i've come to a point from the pandemic till now and i do say pandemic so, yeah. okay from the pandemic till now the protests, George Floyd, all the killings, the police, the Klansmen. Because, by the way, I'll be on Twitter 
um, looking at all the racial arguments between Klansmen and and black folks and Hispanic folks and so on and so forth. So for, so you people know that I am a black Puerto Rican, but I don't say black Puerto Rican because that's a label. So really, my people are the Taino people of the island of Boricuan, which y'all call Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm all about knowledge. If you're gonna spit something, spit it right. Spit okay. the facts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not doctrine, not your opinion, none of that. If you want to argue about facts, I'll bang you in the head all day. Mm-hmm. All right? Because not only do I ride, while I'm riding, I research on my phone, too. <laughs> while you ride. While I ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I read books and all that while I'm riding. So, um, not going to hear, I'm not going to want to argue about doctrine. We've already done too many protests. Too many people have been shot, killed, stabbed, all the stealing. All the things that are going wrong in the world, people, stop and look and listen. Really, stop, look, and listen. Because if I tell you like this, if a race of aliens came today and said, your entire planet is slaves to us, you're slaves, and when we get hungry, you're food. What are you going to do? Are you going to still sit and argue? Are you going to come together and get these cockroaches off our planet? Well, you know, what's interesting, what's interesting is back to Victor Frankl. So Victor Frankl, part of his story was, so he was a Jew in Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. And he had done all this research and had these ideas that eventually evolved as logotherapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But he he was taken in by the Gestapo and sent, he actually ended up doing, he was in four different concentration camps. Um, But he ended up surviving all of it through the whole war or whatever, and then live. And then, so, but what happened was he had, when he was taken, so when they came to take him, he stuck basically this booklet of all of his life's work, all of his ideas, he put in his jacket. Hmm. Um, it was taken and burned when they took him in. Uh, he lost all of his ideas. And he gets put in a concentration camp. He ends up in four concentration camps. But Man's Search for Meaning is actually a memoir of his time in the concentration, concentration camps. camps. Huh. And so that resembles the alien race coming in and enslaving all of us. In a, you know, in a way, these the Germans kind of take captive all of these Jews in Nazi Germany. And so this psychoanalyst is in these death camps, is in these concentration camps, and he's making observations. And he's like, and so the, the short of it is, and I talk about this all the time because it's the most fascinating thing in the world to me. I actually think it's the heart of everything. But he's like, What was really strange to me is he's like a bunch of decent Jews were there. Just good people, decent people, normal folk. They all come in, good Jews. And then because of the circumstances of death and pain and despair and torture and whatever, Mm -hmm. they were transformed. He's like, but they weren't all transformed the same way. He's like, it's as if the conditions revealed something deeper. And he's like, and I watched some good Jews become angelic, godlike, heroic. Mm, like they were mm. the most amazing people, um, what you would call saints. He said, but then I saw some who became um, damn near demons mm. because all they cared about was staying alive and they would lie and they would cheat. And you know what? They joined the Gestapo, Gestapo and they yeah. became overseers, this, that, and the other. He's like, but what was weird is they were just ordinary folks. Mm. And, and then there's actually a book called Ordinary Men 
about men that were recruited into Nazi to be officers mm -hmm. and how did they become what they became? And there's ways we transform over time. But it's interesting. You said, will we still be arguing about this? And it's a, it's a really good way to illustrate its pettiness, but it is, it is an interesting way to reflect back on the concentration camps and go, actually, there's real observations that have been made when human beings were in that exact situation. And it, and the truth is some of them became even more monstrous, but mm. it was obvious. Mm. And some of them became like saviors in some sense. Some of them became that Jesus walk, like you put it, you know, and, 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 and that was just an interesting dynamic of what pr what pressure will reveal in us. Yeah, 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 and that's what changed in me uh, a lot in my life due to pressure. Um, how I started out being angry in life due to pressure. Yeah, um, that's right. Living, being with people, being with the wrong people, people abusing you, using you, all kind of stuff. I mean, I I've been through a lot. Um, Life at one time had me really angry, so angry I was to the point where I wanted to hurt people and wipe people off the planet. Um, it's not a good way to be. Yep. It's not. You know what I'm saying? Um, to you, if you kill or hurt somebody and you get locked up, oh, it ain't nothing to you, but you don't realize the aftermath that you leave behind. You know what I'm saying? And in some way, fashion, or form, your karma will pay for it. Always. You don't escape it. Yep. You don't escape it. Just like you don't escape doing good things, good things get paid back to you. Same thing with bad things. Mm. It gets paid back. It's all called karma. Dude, that seems like the most non-religious idea in the world. Like, I know religions, like, that's a, like a Hindu concept, but like, or it's everyone has some version of the golden rule or treat others that you want to be treated or it's going to come back around or you reap what you sow. But like the reality is like, if you're, if you put good out into the world, yeah. good. Ha and it's like, man, I'm betting on that. Yeah. Like every day, yeah. just trying to bet on that. One of my inspirations I have to say is my own lady woke up one day and told me, God talked to me in my dream. You know, I sat back and I laughed. I'm not going to lie. What? Man, get out of here, man. Whatever. The transformation that she has done inspired me to change. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Instead of trying to look for something, here I got somebody right next to me. Did it. You know? What am I waiting on? Really? And I see, and I see the blessings coming. You know? She's telling me and she's not the only one a lot of people have told me you know if you change your attitude you know how many blessings you would get you have something in you yeah that's right you you you, you just right. haven't discovered it yet because you're too angry mm. i stopped being angry you know why because i was angry for so long i don't even remember what I, made me angry in the first place you know i've seen you actually in crowds of people where there was a lot of anger um and you you do you have you do seem to just transcend it. Um, I genuinely could see like a real piece about you. You, you stand out to me. You're no, it's a noticeable presence, powerful presence that you have. And I'm like super appreciative of that. I, um, yeah, man, thank you. And thank you for all that you're doing here in Tampa. And, and, and I wanted to, um, probably need to wrap up here in a sec, but I wanted to give you an opportunity because those that are just getting introduced to you that are listening to this show need to know where to find you to continue to follow your story. Because I think this is a early 
This is early in the oh, journey, yeah, even though it beginning. might. Yeah, right. That's just the beginning. The, the journey I'm, for Cyclomaniac. So where where can folks look you up, find you? Um, I'm on YouTube. Just type in Cyclomaniacs, Disco Mike. You'll find me there on Facebook. Same thing. Instagram. I haven't spread out too much further. Um, I'm also on Google, like Google Maps. If you go to Maps, you'll see my pictures, my videos on there. Those are the three main sources where you can find me. If you need to reach me, if you just want to talk, if you need some advice about bikes, um, if you have ideas about bikes, you know, or if you just want to reach out, yep. reach out. You know, I try to make time for every individual for those of you, if I don't get back to you right away, I always tell you I'm sorry for getting back to you so late, but I make an effort yep. to try to talk to everyone. Mm. You know, if I exclude you, it's because I'm busy, I forgot, whatever. It's nothing personal. Yeah. But we all got to start reaching out, you know, and what I'm seeing in the world, I'm not liking. I want to change some things. You know what I mean? And somebody got to step up to the plate and I'm not afraid to step up to the plate. If I get killed tomorrow, then I'll be a martyr. I'll be a martyr. I'm not looking for, to be a martyr. Sure. I'm looking for you to carry on what I'm doing, the inspiration and the motivation. I love it. And that's it. I, I don't it. want credit. I'm not, I don't want to be put on a pedestal. You know, it seems like when celebrities die is the only time when they actually watch their movies play their music yeah you see dmx streaming just shot through the room <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying it's like a lot which, of you which makes sense though it's like right. yeah 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 I, I, i'm gonna say it like this please don't take no offense to anyone out there but it, it's a fact that i gotta state you know what i'm saying and it was made known to me by my own lady why is it that when people die everybody plays their music everybody all of a sudden wants to be oh dmx this did why didn't you do that when he was alive mm -hmm. right not just DMX. Sure. Do that for your mom. Do that for your dad, your kids, your grandfathers, your neighbors, the people that you help you. Give back. Pay it forward. Um, help yourselves. Help each other. You know what I'm saying? Um, sometimes somebody just might be hungry. Just give them a sandwich. You know? Do the human thing. Do humanity thing. Humanity thing. You know? Uh, I know we got all the issues with color race yada yada again if another race of aliens came to this planet and wanted to take over would y'all still be cowering in fear and fighting over clothes money and bullshit excuse my language or would you come together to save your planet come together and save your planet now don't wait for them to come because it is us that is destroying this planet yeah we need to do some work huh yeah, we got some work to do, you know what I'm saying? And I'm here to do it. And I'm here to show at age 54 that I got gumption. Remember that old word, gumption. That is a good word. You know what I'm saying? If I have to, I'll carry the rock for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm strong enough. But we all need to be strong enough for each other sometimes. And like I said, I'm not perfect. I still got my dumb ways, the ill ways this, that, and the other idiosyncrasies, but we all do. That's what makes us who we are. And learn from your mistakes, you know? Took me a long time to learn, but better late than never. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And just try to make a change, man. And don't look for money, cash. The, you know, it'll all come later on. You're doing good things. You're doing blessings. The blessings will come to you. You will be blessed. But you got, you got to do it.
And, you know, I know a lot of people use this word believe. I don't believe. I know. I know it. Inside and out, fully. Ain't no believing. You just got to know or you don't know. Straight up and down. I love it, man. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for all you're doing in Tampa. Thank you for all the ways you've been partnering with us with Well Built Bikes. Uh, man, I'm just, I love you. And look man, forward to continuing this journey with you, man. Hey. We got a long way to go, so we got distance. We're going to put in endurance, put in the work. I'm here. Let's do it. Love it. Thanks, love man. It. Hey, real quick before you go, I want to invite you to join the conversation. One of the first comments that was left on one of the first episodes was somebody saying that they wanted to join in the conversation the entire time. And I've heard that from a few of you, and I really want to invite you to do that. So if you go to workethicpodcast.com, there is a link to join the conversation where you can click that link and chime in, uh, maybe answer what success is to you, what's your earliest memory of work, your own experience of, of what triggers flow state or your own understanding of grit, but I want to invite you to join the conversation. I would also like to invite you to help grow this conversation and this podcast and show. So if you would, please share, please subscribe, please leave feedback on the show, uh, rate it, uh, comment on socials. And then if you would, please, please, please consider supporting uh, the cost, the expense that this show is becoming, and also uh, kind of my own work uh, with the podcast and with the well and well-built bikes. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash the work ethic, or there's also a link at workethicpodcast.com. Thank you so much for considering it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being a part of this conversation and this project.